morning to the third episode of the JCMC interview series. Uh, I am Michele Introna, social media editor of the Journal of Clinical Monitoring and Computing. And uh, here uh, with us uh, today, we have uh, Denise Battaglini. Uh, is uh, a physician, anesthesiologist, and intensive care physician at uh, Ospedale San Martino in, in Genova, Italy. So welcome, Denise. Thank you, Michele. Mm, welcome. First of all, um, for this uh, episode, I would like to start uh, uh, remembering uh, uh, Professor Pelosi, uh, who passed away a uh, few weeks ago. It was uh, really, really uh, a pain for uh, Denise uh, group. Uh, uh, from which the professor came, but for the community, the international community of ICU and, and anesthesia. So uh, I, I would like to thank uh, to thank Professor Pelosi for everything he did for and his commitment for our profession. Uh, thank you, Michele. Yes, he was uh, our great mentor and always uh, inspired. Does uh, his his he had an innovative view, and uh, I can see that uh, his suggestions were essential for all our papers and also for this uh, paper we are talking about. Uh, today uh, we are we are here to uh, discuss uh, about a paper that Dr. Battaglini published in the Journal of Clinical Monitoring and Computing a few weeks ago which is uh, effects of positive and expiratory pressure on brain oxygenation, systemic oxygen cascade and metabolism in acute brain injured patients, a pilot physiological cross-sectional study. So uh, I would like to start with a simple question uh, with you, Denise, uh, uh, which is uh, if you can tell us in brief uh, uh, what the study is about. Uh, yes. Uh, so this uh, was a pilot physiological cross-sectional uh, observational study, uh, which was uh, conducted in patients with acute brain injury in 2021. Um, the primary aim of this study was to evaluate the effect of a PIP augmentation test, meaning from 5 to 15 centimeters of water of increase on brain oxygenation evaluated through near-infrared spectroscopy, uh, as well as on systemic oxygen cascade and metabolism, which were assessed through the, the arterial and venous blood gas and through the use of indirect calorimetry. Uh, indeed, indirect calorimetry can estimate the type and the amount of the substrate uh, oxidized and the energy produced by measuring the pulmonary gas exchange. And uh, the secondary aims include uh, to determine uh, if the changes in the regional cerebral oxygenation are uh, correlated with the changes in, in the oxygenation cascade and metabolism, and also uh, correlation with the mechanical ventilation setting in these patients. Okay, thank you, very, very clear. Um... I would I would like to ask you. I mean, you said you started to enroll patients in twenty one, right? So, uh, my, so you you were quite fast uh, if you consider the normal uh, 
timing uh, and uh, the normal problems uh, you could uh, encounter uh, doing studies. So you were really, really fast. You come from a, from a very productive group. So I would like to ask you what kind of, uh, of journey uh, happened from the generation of the idea to the publication and uh, if you encountered uh, some some challenges and what were the challenges uh, you encountered uh, uh, doing this study? Yes, um, first of all, as you can see, is a pilot study. So it was a, a, a very fast recruitment because we included only 10 patients in this uh, pilot study. Um, and uh, behind the, the recruitment, uh, we, we needed to find a patient who needed a PIP test for the optimization for the clinical reasons like optimization of uh, hypoxemia or uh, some desaturation to optimize the, the brain and the lung uh, setting of mechanical ventilation. And uh, this was the major challenge to, to put uh, all the monitoring system. So it, this is the reason why we, we included only 10 patients and this was a pilot study. Uh, but the idea of this paper come from uh, some experimental studies uh, of uh, many years ago. Uh, in which uh, they use the indirect calorimetry to better investigate the relationship between the systemic oxygenation and the metabolism and the cerebral oxygenation. Uh, in that case, they use the invasive monitoring tools for uh, the oxygenation of the brain, uh, like the PBTO2. And uh, but I, I think uh, the strength, uh, the, the main strength of this study is that uh, is the first in humans, uh, despite being of a small sample sites, uh, which can uh, report uh, insights about the oxygen cascade and the metabolism from the brain to the systemic uh, compartment. And um, uh, another idea uh, behind the, the study. Uh, was that uh, the setting of mechanical ventilation and in particular of PEEP in patients with acute brain injury is uh, yet to be defined. We don't have a clear recommendation to set the PEEP in this uh, category of patient. And uh, so uh, we know that uh, the, the best PIP setting in this patient is a major challenge. So an optimal uh, PIP setting, uh, generally speaking, uh, is uh, the one which allow an appropriate gas exchange, keep the lung open, preventing the collapse, but also preventing the overdistension, and um, is a PIP that not affect the, the hemodynamics, but also in this category, we can add that uh, the, the optimal PIP should also provide an optimal uh, brain oxygenation. So um, for this reason... Uh, uh, sorry, sorry if I interrupt, uh, uh, but... Uh, now another question come, comes out in my mind. So, um, what were the main the main outcome, the results of this study? I mean, so can you provide us an insight on what is the the if the PEEP influenced the, the brain metabolism? Uh, because this is a really really um, clinical question. I mean, I am a neuroanesthesiologist. 
And, uh, and this is something we always uh, struggle with the surgeons, for example, during the OR, but also later on uh, during the, the ICU stay after surgery. Because sometimes you, uh, you would like as anesthesiologist, as intensive care physician to increase PEEP. Uh, for for clinical reasons, but you have to. The, it's the only case where increasing PIP not only has detrimental effects on hemodynamics, but also uh, you 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 are you are taught in the university or during residency that that PIP uh, is is very harmful for the brain. This is uh, the the common common sense. But is it true? So does it affect uh, cerebral metabolism? And and what clinical outcome could we could we expect? Yes, from the physiological point of view, uh, I I would say that um, an increase of of PEEP usually increase the intrathoracic pressure and limit, uh, in some cases, the ven venous return does influence uh, the cardiac output, which decreases. And the cardiac output is uh, one of the key parameters influencing the oxygen delivery uh, and potentially impairing the systemic and cerebral hemodynamics. However, I can see that in some cases, for example, increases in blood pressure or uh, heart rate or stable hemodynamics, uh, according to the Frank-Starling uh, relationship, the, you can see that the venous return and the cardiac output can be stable after the increase of the intrathoracic pressure. So also this can be determined, uh, for example, by changes in the pleural pressure. But for example, in our study, we did not partition the the mechanics, so we don't know. And also uh, the increase of the PIP can, uh, can cause the compression of the pulmonary capillaries and increase the right ventricle afterload and thus reducing the cardiac output. So all these mechanisms, we wanted to, to investigate uh, all the oxygen cascade for this reason. Um, so from the brain oxygenation to the delivery of oxygen to the production of the of the carbon dioxide and and the oxygen consumption so including also the hemodynamic changes and uh, this study i believe is is uh, something important from the physiological point of view despite being uh, as i told before uh, as i tell you before uh, told you before uh, about only 10 patients but uh, we uh, it was uh, useful to understand the changes in the oxygen cascade in, in patients with uh, brain injury upon the application of uh, 5 to 15 centimeter of water of, uh, of PEEP uh, with an increase of two centimeter of water every minute. And uh, we found that uh, in this uh, category of patients, which were uh, patients with stable ECP and stable uh, cerebral perfusion pressure, stable parameters, uh, the application of PEEP up to 15 is safe uh, and does not affect the systemic hemodynamic and the regional oxygenation and metabolism. Uh, also, we found that uh, the regional brain oxygenation measured with the, the, the near-infrared spectroscopy has a good correlation with the, some uh, systemic parameters, and these are the oxygen delivery, the DO2, the, the arterial saturation of oxygen, and the production of carbon dioxide, which was measured by the indirect calorimetry. 
So um, this is interesting because uh, since the higher production of the carbon dioxide, for example, can lead to a, a higher cerebral blood flow uh, because of the vasodilatation, and uh, in turn, this can result in more oxygen to the brain and improve uh, the overall brain function. But we did not find an improvement in uh, cerebral oxygenation, just a stable situation. Uh, the, I believe this study can suggest that the cerebral monitoring, the, the monitoring of the cerebral oxygenation could be used to individualize the PEEP and the mechanical ventilation setting in patients with a stable ECP, intracranial pressure. Um, but also maybe we can use, if we don't have uh, the, the near infrared spectroscopy or a monitoring of oxygenation, maybe we can use uh, the delivery of, of oxygen as a systemic parameter. Okay, thank you. Very, very clear and uh, very interesting. I found this study really elegant uh, in, in its conduction. So uh, coming back, coming back uh, a little bit to, to, to the first questions. So did you encounter some challenges along your pathway? Um, I, like, I like this question for, for the podcast and, and this interview series because uh, when we read uh, the literature um, as readers, uh, we always uh, think uh, that uh, the other the other ones are are better than us, uh, and they they do not have the problems we have as researchers. So everything seems perfect because it's a, it's a whole picture from the end. But maybe as a researcher, you you encounter some challenges, or I would like to humanize more the research process. Uh, I don't know, if you know what you what I mean. Yes, the um, I can confirm it was a, a challenge. <laughs> First of all, to find uh, the patient who needed uh, the, a, a PEEP test for clinical reasons and to have all the monitoring tools available at that moment to, to measure during the, the, the process of uh, testing the PEEP. Uh, and this was a major challenge to maintain the observational nature of the study and not interventional. Uh, so this is the reason why we included very few patients because uh, we we had uh, difficulties in finding uh, patients uh, who can benefit of the man uh, about this maneuver. Um, other challenges are limitations due, for example, to availability of uh, calorimetry monitoring that, for example, was available in our unit just for a few months, and uh, we needed to include uh, all the patients during that month. Um, so we had a permission to use it, uh, but um, was just for a few period of time. And uh, then there are some limitations about uh, the study in general, since, uh, first of all, uh, that the data were collected as uh, spot values because of uh, time and uh, possibility to perform more than uh, one measure, a repetitive measure. So this is a major uh, uh, flow. And uh, other, other points is that uh, uh, we selected patients with uh, optimal uh, um, fluid uh, resuscit resuscitative status, uh, patient with an optimal ICP, but patient who needed, for example, to adjust the mechanical ventilation. So maybe we have 
not seen some uh, uh, great changes in the oxygen parameters because of that, because the patient were uh, stable and did not have, uh, for example, uh, heart disease or problems. And uh, other challenges can be uh, the interpretation of the the nears the near infrared spectroscopy is uh, of course a non-invasive methods of monitoring and can be influenced by a lot of things like uh, light tissue blood volume saturation and so on so careful to interpret uh, the data <laughs> yeah i mean i i think uh, this is this is really interesting in the sense that uh, um it uh, it tells us that uh, we have to uh, we have to monitor what what we are doing always we are a, we are a journal of monitoring and and intensive care is basically the the, the specialty of monitoring physiology uh, so whenever you are changing uh, and you are unbalancing uh, physiology of a patient uh, for for uh, for doing something you you need in that moment you have always to monitor uh, the the end of the process. So in this case, uh, is the near near infrared spectroscopy, but it's uh, it's uh, it's something that could be applied uh, to uh, basically every organ. So th this is why I really found interesting the study because it's like studying. Uh, it's like the butterfly effect. You move, uh, you move from from one one end one end of the of the body. You go to the other one, and you want to monitor uh, at the starting point uh, during during the process and at the end of the process. So it's really really interesting. Yes, I believe from the physiological point of view was uh, really interesting to see the changes and so on. But from the clinical point of view, the main message should be that uh, we need to monitor what we are doing. Uh, if we change the PEEP, if we change the, the me mechanical ventilation setting, we always need to monitor what is happening. And in this case, uh, we have a brain injury at the patient. What is happening to the brain? Uh, as well as to the lung, using always a lung protection ventilation strategy. Um, I, I believe it's not uh, uh, simple to reproduce the entire study because uh, we had a lot of monitoring tools uh, and usually maybe we don't put uh, all calorimetry as well as NIRS as well as uh, uh, all this kind of monitoring. But uh, from the physiological point of view, uh, uh, this study gave us uh, some important insights. Thank you, Denise. It was really, really interesting to talk to you and uh, about about your uh, your study. I think we are done with the interview. So before uh, uh, before saying hello to to everybody, I would like to invite you all to follow the page on on Spotify, the GS, JCMC on Spotify, on the Amazon Music, on YouTube and to follow us on Twitter, to interact with us uh, on the social media, uh, because uh, it's important for us uh, to produce uh, quality contents uh, and to continue producing contents for the, for the public. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, Denise. Thank you for the invitation. Bye-bye. Ciao. It was really nice. Uh, and uh, see you next time. <laughs>